We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to Building the Broncos. I'm your host, Carl Dummler, and tonight we have a special guest coming in, Mr. Lance Sanderson, and thankfully... He has his building the Broncos hat. Sorry, we're a couple minutes late. I was running around real quick trying to find mine, and either kids took it, dog took it. It's it's kind of sometimes tough to tell who took my hat. They always love these building the Broncos hats, and uh, but uh, but we're in here. Nick, he's off there playing Family Man, which is good for him. Yep, uh, excited for all that he has going on in his life, and doing a few more important things than I'd say talking Broncos. There's not many things that are more important. But there's there's a few, and he's family? doing one of those. Family? What's that? I I, I have a family. I, I'm not what? exactly sure what that. But, but what, I have kids. Where are they? I've never seen them before. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad for Nick. Glad to join in with you, man. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's always a blast to be able to talk some football. Mile high. Hello, everybody. Broncos country. What's up? What's going on, man? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, for you out there in the Midwest with me, um, hopefully you're all staying safe with all this grand snow we have. We've got a couple snow drifts out there that are as tall as a pickup. Uh, to get to my office, it was up to the middle of my thigh in a couple spots. No. So. <laughs> no. No. It, so we we've uh, uh, fortunately escaped the snow, but we're we're going to get hit next week. It sounds like uh, probably a couple of days worth. It's been cold though. Uh, we've been hovering around zero degrees for the last couple of days, uh, dropping into the negatives uh, going over the weekend. So uh, no snow yet, which is a big reprieve from last year because uh, i'm sure you remember all the pictures i was sharing with you guys in the mm-hmm. group chat of the the massive snow amounts like we we had record yeah. cold and record snowfall last year in the in the state of wyoming uh this year not so much on the snow but it's been plenty cold enough over the last few days anyways yeah but i want to get to everybody here in the chat and say a big welcome always david yunkin coming in early saying evening carl and lance and dylan and broncos country evening to you as well there david thanks for joining us dylan von arks always here saying sup broncos country make sure you hit that like button on the way in share on all platforms and subscribe if you haven't already yeah we've only got two thumbs up which hey that's Patrick Satan. that's a good number but let's get up there to maybe the uh the, the true goat of the cornerback position number 24 champ bailey let's see if we can get up to that here tonight and dylan congrats on i think he's doing one of the live shows now yeah. So congrats to, yep. to Dylan there and everybody get a chance to, to hear him once a week. So good to see that. we got Mike S coming in. What's up, Carl, Lance, Scott, Dylan, and Broncos country. What's up to you, Mike? Good to see it in here. Might get to talk some so Alabama Mike. players tonight. we got Michael Ronquillo coming in with some stars saying good evening, Carl and Lance on building the Broncos. Go Broncos. Good so to Mike. see you there, Michael. Always great to, to see you in here. Uh, we got Kevin Gray saying congrats on the orange and blue show dylan yes very much congratulations to you we got woofy mellet saying hello broncos country hello to you as well uh for a second there uh, i uh was thinking the the 104.3 guy uh james Merrillat, and i'm like please don't be that guy <laughs> he, he was the one he said that sean payton should be fired this week and the broncos should go after jim harbaugh Fix the wrong and make it right. Hire Jim Harbaugh yeah. like you should have done last uh, year. I heard that and I just started laughing. That guy's such a I know. man. But uh, all right, we got David Yunkin coming in with our, our subject that we're going to be talking a little bit today. He says, so Sean is leaving the door unlocked for Russ to come back. 
Sean, Sean says an awful lot, but says very little. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Lance and I were talking before the show that I know like the title talks about, you know, Sean Payton's presser, but really probably the, the bigger nuggets came in the George Payton interview. He, he's a little mm -hmm. bit more open on some things that they're thinking already. And so we'll, we'll get into to both their press conferences, see if we can kind of glean anything from, from what they had to say. Uh, we got Mike Naylor coming in saying, who's our quarterback next year? Any thoughts? Honestly, like, I mean, this, this is so up in the air right now. Mm -hmm. I, I could throw out 20 different names and it wouldn't surprise me if any of them became the starting quarterback for the Broncos next year. Mm -hmm. um, obviously the 12th pick in the draft, a lot of different directions you can go there of trade up, stay where you are, trade back and still get one of the guys. Uh, we got Mike saying that Bo Nix is a Peyton prototype. You know, I, yeah, yeah. Th there's there's certain things about his game that I can see. Like he's a mm -hmm. pretty accurate guy when it's a first read throw. He's got some athleticism. He's got the experience that he kind of wants in his quarterbacks. Um, so I, I there, there's some things I could see of why they would like Bo Nix. There's other places that you're kind of like, oh, my gosh, that's not going to go over well. Um, so we'll get into the quarterbacks here probably a little bit today, but we also have, oh, we got Phil coming in saying, good evening, Carl and Lance. After listening to Peyton, Peyton and Pinner, is it possible Wilson will be back? Hashtag Buckham, hashtag MHH for life, hashtag go Broncos. I would put the odds or the percentage at like 2% that Russell Wilson is back. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, if Russell Wilson and his camp hadn't come out, these last two games really kind of dragging the Broncos through the dirt. I would probably have that percentage up a little bit higher, mm -hmm. but I think he kind of got very emotional about it, which I understand. I mean, when you lose your job like this and you've had all the things that have happened this whole season with the Broncos, um, I, I can see why he'd be in the place that he's at, but because he decided to drag the Broncos through the dirt, I can't see Peyton being or <laughs> okay. Sean Payton, I should make sure I specify here, being happy about that. He, he's kind of one of those guys. He hates anybody going to the media to kind of get their story out there, except for himself. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have any problem doing it himself, but he doesn't want anybody else to do it. It's kind of one of those do as I say, don't do as I do. And uh, so I, I just really have a hard time seeing that he and Wilson can repair the relationship. Is that where you're yeah. at too? That, that's pretty much almost exactly where I'm at. And like you said, you know, it, it's it's really hard for – with Russell Wilson being as, as open as he was last season, you know, doing all the tweeting and jet-setting all over the world and everything, like he wants to be in the public spotlight. He always has been. That's just been who his persona is. I mean, he's obviously super upbeat, likes to get out a positive message. He tells you every time that he likes to speak that you got to believe. Like we just have to believe and we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, and over and over and over again – well, then Sean Payton put the kibosh on that and said, you're not allowed to speak to the media. Like, don't be tweeting, like put all that stuff away. We're taking your office on the second floor away. We're like, everything we're going to do is going to be the complete opposite. Well, far be it from me to say that it's a stretch that the results were exactly the same last year, even though you did everything the exact opposite, Sean Payton. So let me ask you this question really fast. Are you pissed off now, sir? Because you went off and, and popped off to Jarrett Bell right at the beginning of training camp saying that you were going to be pissed off that this team didn't make the playoffs. Like, are, so are you pissed off now? Like, what what does this situation actually look like in in Dove Valley right now? And I think that one of the things that was like my biggest takeaway, we'll get out into that here in just a few minutes, was just what Sean Payton had to say in terms of his self reflection in in the press conference. Because while it while he does say a lot and not a whole lot comes out of his mouth, it, like there was some things in there that I was pretty impressed with with him standing up there and and facing the knives and facing this, this local Denver media today. Yeah. I, I think this was probably my biggest criticism of Vic Fangio when he was here mm -hmm. was when he got to these end of the year press conferences and they were kind of like, well, what could you have done better? Nothing. I mean, that, that was pretty much his answer is like, Hey, the players yeah. should have executed better. The coaches yeah. should have called better plays like other coaches, not him. <laughs> and it, it's always kind of this, like, never taking responsibility himself for any of the problems that were going on within the locker room or on the field, anything like that. And so I really did appreciate that about Sean Payton of his willingness. I mean, he, he really didn't put much blame on the players themselves. He mostly went towards uh, 
towards himself of I could have done these kind of plays better. Oh, I called the wrong play on this, this certain situation. Um, I've got to go really reevaluate how I'm handling this. And so I, I did, I really appreciated that he looked at it that way. And another thing that I appreciate is making little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Now, everybody, of course, you know, every Sunday got a great chance to go out there, eat some good food. And little Caesars is one of the top choices. And uh, for me, I always love the, the pepperoni stuffed crust. That's always seems to be my way of going. So make sure you guys are ordering online during the pizza pizza pregame. It starts at one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday and get ready for some football and fun. Yeah, guys, choose your favorite little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way you guys win, you guys can go out and get the, uh, the $5 hot and readies. Those are so easy to get on the way home. They're great for game days. They're, they, they're delicious. Uh, we love the deep, deep dish here in my house as well. Uh, the pretzel crust, whenever those come back around, that's always a must get. And speaking of winning guys, everyone scores with convenient delivery or, uh, in our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Thank you. Little Caesars for being a part of building the Broncos. We appreciate you guys. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another person we appreciate is Paul coming in saying, hello, Carl and Lance. Hey, Paul. Paul. Thank you for being one of the, the OGs of our shows mm-hmm. and always bringing up the support and the encouragement. Um, I think pretty much every major holiday, Paul sends me some tweet telling me, hey, just wanted to say, uh, happy whatever holiday to you and your family. And so I just appreciate mm-hmm. you, Paul, and hope everything's well your way. Uh, we got Brooklyn official music. Mile high hello to you both on to next season. Yeah, I, I, that was another thing that uh, Sean Payton talked about, how they handle their calendars. Um, they've got one calendar that goes from training camp to the end of the season, and now they've got their other calendar that goes from end of the season to, to training camp. And so they've got a really busy next two weeks of really kind of doing the the self-evaluation of the entire mm-hmm. roster, coaches, um, everybody. And then they might take a little bit of time off. And then I'm sure that's about the time that the senior bowl kicks off. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's one of those things where the NFL season is never done. Even though the season officially has ended for the Broncos, like there's so much work still to be, be done, uh, not only for this past season, but now preparing for this next season. So yeah. Um, I've got a few people who've brought up another player, uh, Michael Penix. I know championship was last night. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that. Yeah, I did. Obviously it, not his best game. Um, <laughs> you know, as much as everybody was hyping him up last week of he's the guy. Oh my gosh, we're gonna have to trade up for him to, to get him. And then this week it's, oh, he's like a third or fourth round kind of talent. The, the truth is somewhere in the middle there. You know, he, this is where you can't let one game of great highlights get you too high on a player um it's kind of um clowny like everybody wanted to talk about that one play for jadavian clowny where he leveled mm-hmm. a running back fumble great great hit all that kind of stuff and i'm like but there's a lot more to his game like you got to look at the full picture here um and so it's kind of the same with michael Penix. there's there's some really great strengths that i think line up well with what sean payton likes to do but there's also these weaknesses and we saw him struggle with pressure um, that's mm-hmm. been something that's kind of been up and down all season where he's not as accurate as you would like him to be. Um, you saw there's sometimes he, his mechanics can get really out of, out of, out of whack, I guess is the best way I'd say it, where they're just not all working together and it just causes his accuracy to kind of go up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, th- there's still some w- weaknesses to his game. Others have talked about his injury concerns. Yeah. All that's going to have to get 
figure it out and it's going to affect his evaluation. Um, but I still think he's a good player. I still think he's probably the fourth best quarterback in this upcoming draft. Well, I was talking about Michael Penix Jr. on Friday night with Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers, you know, and I I watched a lot of Washington football this year and you really saw a lot of the issues that I'm not going to say that like rare for Washington this year because Washington's offensive line did a tremendous job in the Pac-12. They never really had to go up against the defense like what Michigan threw at them, especially with their pass rush along the interior of the offensive line. But Michael Penix Jr. has always struggled with pressure. He, he's he's bad when he gets moved off of his spot. His mechanics go to hell in a handbasket pretty much. And it, the, the accuracy concerns are definitely there for sure. But I think that this game against Michigan, really all it did was it either – confirmed your biases that he's a good player or it confirmed your biases that he's a bad player because there are still some throws in there that I thought that he made that were just incredible throws um he had a couple of deep shots the one it was a fourth down uh early in the game when they were down I think it was 14 to 3 at that one point uh he had Roma Dunze on a corner route and Odunze ran just uh, kind of a little sloppy route there that ball was perfectly placed for where it was um, I mentioned in our group chat, talking to Eric, you know, like maybe take a little bit of velocity off the football, but at the same time, let's have that throw is designed to be made. You're supposed to put, get that ball there quickly. And it, like, that's an elite throw. I uh, had another deep ball to Roma Dunes. He had another couple of timing routes over the middle of the field that I know that Sean Payton's really going to like, but if you're struggling to handle with pressure like that and just struggling not only with the pressure from the defensive line, but I think the pressure in the moment a little bit got to him a little bit there as well, because it showed him like, it looked like he was kind of pressing a little bit and really wasn't playing within himself. He was trying to go out there and make plays that while he can make them, he didn't need to go and and be in that direction, be as aggressive as he was. So it, it highlights the good, but it also highlights the bad in such a bad way. And everyone's just being that prisoner of the moment right now that it, it, it's hard to come away with a true evaluation. I think you need to hold this game aside and say, well, this is the bad. This is the bad tape. Let's find his best tape. The best tape that he had was last week against Texas. Quite honestly, yeah. it was some of the best tape I think he's put on, on, uh, on camera for the last three seasons. What's everything in the middle and what can we figure out? What are the 25 best throws as Mike Shanahan always likes to say, give me the 25 best throws and you figure out a way to make him perform like that on a consistent basis. And you're going to have a quarterback that you're going to be, uh, have a high floor with, and he's going to win you a lot of football games at the next level. Yeah, I'm with you there. And, and so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes in the draft because there's going to be a very wide range of evaluations on him. Um, like I said, mm -hmm. injuries, age, Mm -hmm. mechanics uh sometimes those left-handed throwers um there's only been if i remember right 33 left-handed quarterbacks in nfl history mm -hmm. and now i'm not saying that that should be a reason you don't draft him um i'm just saying that it's kind of become a little bit of a rarity um so i still would love to draft him i still think he'd be a great mm -hmm. fit for the broncos if the injury concerns are cleared up that, that's always going to be a, a big one there for for any of these players, if there's any right. kind of injury concerns that you have to worry about. So, um, so no, my, I, I, I guess I, I was just going to say just quickly, I guess my question to you is where would you be comfortable drafting him? Because even, even after last night and the struggles that he had against Michigan, I, I would still be comfortable drafting him in the top 15. And I, I know that that sounds crazy because he's probably going to end up with a second round evaluation on, on my board, but you need to have that quarterback and he fits perfectly with what Sean Payton wants to do. If the if the medicals check out at the combine and you and you love the, the tape as much as I like the tape, um, I, I would be comfortable taking him at twelve. Quite honestly, if you could trade back and get him, that'd be a little bit better for sure. But I, I mean, twelve to me, go get your guy, man. Yeah, if he's there at twelve, I I wouldn't be upset about it. I would feel like there might be some players that probably, like you said, have a higher evaluation on my board, but mm -hmm. because quarterback just raises a player's evaluation so much. Uh, if you find even a, a good quarterback in the first round that can be a starter quality for you on that mm -hmm. rookie contract, you're feeling pretty darn good. I mean, look at the the 49ers right now with their quarterback situation. Like, I mean, obviously he was a seventh round pick, very last pick in the draft. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be fully worth that second contract because I don't know if he's one of those guys that once you pay him the big money to be the guy, if he's still going to be able to be that guy. But it's kind of like when Seattle with Russell Wilson on his rookie contract, that could be a Super Bowl team. 
because mm-hmm. you could go out and surround him with all this talent because he had cap space. Um, you could get some young players around him, all those kind of things to, to go make a great roster. I mean, that, that's the golden ticket. If you can find just even a good rookie quarterback, Houston this year. Now, Stroud, he is top 10 already as a quarterback. That's like the, the lottery ticket that you win and then you go back to buy a second one the, the next round and you win another one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that's a pretty pretty lucky situation to find yourself in. Very, very few yeah. teams get that. But um, So, yeah, I think he's worth that. I think he can be a good quarterback in the NFL, especially under Sean Payton, that can really maximize his talent for mm-hmm. the NFL. Uh, but let's get back to a little bit. Is there any more that you would say from the, the Sean Payton conversation uh, from from the press conference today that you were kind of like, oh, that kind of maybe means a little something for you? So the, the big thing, it was a question from Scott Hastings at Altitude Sports Radio. He came in and he asked Sean Payton, you know, as as a man, as a coach, what specifically would you work on? Because like what, what specifically would you work on going into next season? Cause Scott always asks this question uh, of players in the preseason, you know, what did you work on over the year? What, like, how do you want to get better going throughout the season? So he really put a, a, a I don't want to say a bomb comment on, on Sean Payton, but a, a very difficult question for him to ask. And he, Payton did a, a couple of different things. He kind of, um, he, he walked around it a little bit, but he also revealed a lot of him understanding what his faults were. Um, specifically the red zone play calling, um, the designs and the, and the sequencing in there, and then not taking advantage of the turnover situations and being more aggressive in, in those situations. Eric and I talked about this extensively on Dove Valley Deep Divers uh, in the middle of the 5-0 and run. was like, yeah, they're getting these turnovers, but they're not really doing much with them. So Sean Payton really looked at that and he said, you know, we've got to get better in these specific categories, but also the one thing that I need to be better as is as the teacher. Because – we're out there and we're, we're not hitting all of the details that we need to hit. You know, we're still having these same repeated mistakes over and over and over again. And that really falls on me as a coach. So for him to go out there and I know I got a little, not really heated, but like amplified a little bit when we opened the show saying, you know, are you pissed off now? This is one of those things where it's like, you're out there blaming everybody else. You always pass the buck off to somebody else when everything's going wrong, but you take the credit when it's, when it's going well. This to me, I think, was probably the first time that I heard Sean Payton say, this is on me. This is really on me that I need to be better as far as being a teacher to these players and putting them in better situations. Yeah, I I kind of wonder a little bit when he was talking about the sequencing. Part of me was going, how do you put any kind of sequencing together when you've got the quarterback situation you have? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, how do you stack plays when your quarterback can't run that play anyway? Yeah, Like, you, you could scheme – Jerry Judy to be wide open going across the field. But if your quarterback can't hit that on time in, you know, in his stride, there's going to be some problems with that. And so then all of a sudden it really messes up. How in the world do you even call plays to, to go from one to the next? And uh, so I, I, like he took the blame for it, but part of me was going, I don't think that was completely on him because he was a little bit handcuffed by that quarterback situation. Yeah. Um, so but again, like I said, I appreciate that he was willing to to look within, look at where he could get better as a coach. And I did like somebody asked him like, hey, do you think that this season was success? And he kind of went, no, that's ridiculous. Of course, I'm not going to be happy. We didn't make the playoffs. And so I appreciate he kind of leaned into that idea of I'm not going to be happy with anything less than this kind of success for this organization. And we've got Phil coming back in with some more stars. And I noticed that a mock had us picking Trevor Sikama at 12. It looks like a great possibility for Edge. Uh, would you take him over quarterback? So Trevor Sikama, he's a media guy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm looking up to see if he's got a mock draft that just came up uh, a little bit ago. So go ahead on that. Sorry. Okay. Well, it, okay. if he had us taking an Edge player, I'm not going to be against that because it's another premium position probably value within the draft around that 12. There's going to be a couple guys that I think would be, Oh, sorry. Turner. Okay. Dallas Turner of Alabama. Yep. yep. Okay. <laughs> so Trevor Sikama had a draft and at 12, he had the Broncos taking Dallas Turner. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'd be pretty okay with that. I think he's probably other than maybe a cornerback or two, the best defensive player in this draft. 
Uh, I think there's some argument for a couple other edge players. Uh, but right now it's kind of between him and a couple cornerbacks. Uh, Wiggins mm-hmm. is up there. Uh, you've got the the two corners from from Alabama as well. So that Alabama defense has actually had some pretty nice pieces this year. And Dallas mm-hmm. Turner, like I said, edge player, can get after the quarterback in a hurry. He's not Will Anderson, who's taken number three over, uh, overall last year. But he can be a good all-around player for you. And like I said, position of weakness, they do not have – a true great edge player on this team. They've got a mm-hmm. lot of complementary pieces, but not yep. a true difference maker. And so they definitely need one of those. And if they don't go quarterback, I would not mind them going edge. Yeah, it's going to be hard for them to go quarterback in this particular example because they have five quarterbacks going in the top 10 picks. He's got um, the top three picks that are Williams, May, and Jaden Daniels. Then he has uh, – Penix to the Falcons at nine and then uh, excuse me, 11 uh, is uh, Bo Nix to the Minnesota Vikings. So all five of the top quarterbacks are off of the board, at least to this point, um, falling below those guys, Nate Wiggins from Clemson, Jared verse from Florida state, Cooper DeGene from Iowa, Jerzon Newton, uh, JC Latham, Brock Bowers is probably the direction that I would go there. Um, I, I haven't really got a great Look at Dallas Turner, but the guy that I'm all about is Laitu Latu, the edge from UCLA, because that dude is an absolute freak. He's long, he bends, he's strong, he plays with speed to power. Like that is an absolute Batman of a pass rusher coming off the edge. I like Jared Verse too, as well, but Latu, man, uh, he's going to be edge one for me. I'm almost certain of it just because of the the, the traits that he brings to it. He's, like I said, he's long, he's he's bursty, bendy. Like he brings pretty much everything you want in terms of being a true Batman at the edge rusher. And you, you, you put him opposite of Baron Browning and you let those guys go to work. You get Jonathan Cooper off the field a little bit. Nick Benito just forced that rotation a little bit there. I'm I'm all yeah. about taking an edge defender for sure. I also really do think you, you mentioned cornerback. I think that cornerback is a big need for this team moving forward because Damari Mathis really struggled this year. Fabian Moreau, you want to talk about how bad Michael Penix Jr. played against Michigan? Fabian Moreau against the Raiders was as bad, if not even worse. It was his worst showing of the season. Uh, we don't know what Riley Moss is yet, so going and getting a top cornerback, I, I really like Cooper DeGene from Iowa as well, um, but Nate Wiggins wouldn't surprise me. Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama wouldn't surprise me. Like there's There's a lot to like for what the Broncos have available there. It sucks that there's not a quarterback there, but Dallas Turner, it's hard to hate it anyways. So that's just my yeah. overall thoughts there. Yeah. And, and I'm with you on lad too. I think the the big thing with him, because he is so long and strong and he's got some weight to him, the run game, mm-hmm. you know, the Broncos, they, they need another difference maker other than Allen for the, for the defensive line to actually hold up against the run. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, Benito, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's not that guy. He doesn't have enough junk in the trunk to, to make that work. Um, I mean, he, he's a good complimentary piece. Like you kind of like to have that guy that can go win off the edge, his sack in this last game where he just beat the right tackle to the spot. I mean, he's just got that athleticism that is is rare. Um, and so that, that's nice to have. But again, if he can't be the true full-time starter, that becomes a problem. And mm-hmm. it, Powers says Latu would be number one without medical issues. Again, that's yeah. another guy. Yeah, got to do the all the work to make sure that he's good to go. There was a point where he was almost ready to quit football because of his injury. Mm-hmm. So that, that's got to be a concern for a lot of people out there. Um, so I'm sure the Broncos will do plenty if they're going to be taking any kind of player with injury concerns. And like I said, cornerback. There's a lot of really good ones in this draft. Depending on what you want, you can go find. Mm-hmm quite a few different types in this draft. Yep. They're big, they're, they're long, uh, they're fast. They, they got a lot of good qualities. So um, if quarterback's not the direction you go, like I said, I think those would be the two positions that I'd look pretty heavily at. Uh, mm-hmm. Wide receiver, of course, is another one. You've got some really nice ones. I was just watching Troy Franklin. Of okay. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That guy is he, so he, smooth. He's got great hands. He's big, he's long. Just him opposite it, of Sutton would be really fun to watch. He might be the most underrated wide receiver in this class. And like you said, he's smooth, man. For a big guy, as long as he is as as tall as he is, he is a smooth route runner, man. He's really fun. Uh, Romo Dunze is my dude. Um, I I would love to see him in a Broncos uniform, 6'3", 215. He's going to run sub 4'4". Big body catch player. I I, I guess we're hearing about some 
character concerns with him as well is, is something I've, I've seen pop up here a little bit, but um, no wide receivers, are another one too. And I would be, I, I would, I would be okay with the Broncos taking a wide receiver because it, it doesn't look like Jerry Judy's going to be around very much longer. They they've got to free up some salary cap space. He's on that fifth year option with the $13 million cap hit next year. Um, and they're, they're probably moving on from Russ. You said 2% he's going to stick around. I'm going to say probably about that, maybe 5% at, at best. So you're going to need to offset that $37 million cap hit somehow. And Jerry Judy is probably the easiest one that you can move and get at least a little bit of value to help your drafts capital this year. So um, wide receiver is another big one that I would look at. Maybe probably if you could get a second round pick for Judy to replace it, that would where I that would be really where I would look. But um, if you wanted to, one of these top wide receivers, Keon Coleman from Florida State's another big one um, that yeah. I like a lot. Um, so if you wanted one at 12, Maybe Malik Neighbors falls. Hopefully, <laughs> if if five quarterbacks are going in the top eleven, there's a decent chance that Neighbors would be there. And like I said, if you can go get that kind of guy to be a complimentary piece to Sutton with that speed, uh, that was one question that George Payton was asked today about. Like, how how much do you value speed? He's like, of course, every team does. It's a premium. Mm-hmm. Like, if yep. you can have speed, but he's going. We also need physicality. We need. Um, you know, smarts out there, all those kind of things. And Phil McLaughlin coming in, asking the question, have you guys looked at any possible sleeper for quarterback? Yeah, there, there's a few names out there. Um, third mm-hmm. round, Michael Pratt of Tulane has been a guy that mm-hmm. I've been really high on. I think he'd be a really good fit with, with Sean Payton. Um, mm-hmm. Another, I saw a few people have mentioned Cam Ward. He was kind of a surprise to enter the draft. Uh, I think he's a decent developmental player. If you want to mm-hmm. give him a year to to get some time, um, I've seen a couple people mention yours. I mean, I th- if he's there like third, fourth round, I'd Did probably be okay with it. He has not. Okay. So I, I don't think he is going to, but if he does, again, he's another player. If he falls in the draft, I'm at least willing to take a shot at him. Right. So uh, uh, any other Michael- names you can think of? Well, Michael Kerr jumps in here, says get uh, Tua Tagovailoa's uh, brother in the seventh. He actually just entered the transfer portal the other day, um, so it doesn't sound like he's going to declare. The the guy that I think is a really good fit for what Sean Payton likes to do, and you could probably get him in the fourth round, uh, maybe even a little bit later than that, is Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, man. like His, his tape at Wake Forest playing with anticipation and touch and timing was was really nice, and he works the middle of the field pretty well. He's not the biggest arm. He's not the greatest athlete. He's just going to stand in the pocket and deliver the football for you. And if you're looking for a developmental guy, then just kind of be a, you know, a, I I was talking with a buddy of mine today, uh, my my boss actually, um, and I was talking about Hartman. You know, he like him coming out really reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins because he's not the 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 flashiest player by any stretch of the imagination but he could develop into something solid at the NFL level. I don't know what you think about uh Sam Hartman but if you're going to move on with Stidham and just kind of kick the can down the road um and you need a developmental player to take a look at Hartman might be a guy that Sean Payton really falls in love with. And we got Phil coming in talking about the the tight end position as well saying I want a tight end a Kincaid Meyer Washington or Laporta type. Um, there's some decent tight ends in this draft as well. Mm-hmm. So Broncos, they can go a lot of different directions of how they want to attack this draft. Um, they don't have to commit to quarterback being being the first choice. That, I guess that's the main thing that I'd get across. And then we got Michael Kerr coming in saying, no Jalen Daniels fans. I think the problem here is most of us just expect he's gone. Like before the Broncos can pick, there, there's – one, two, and three are probably going to be quarterbacks. What do you got there? Well, you you were like one of the biggest Jalen Daniels fans I've ever seen in my life there for the longest. Or was it oh, JT yeah. Daniels? Like, because a couple oh, of years yeah. ago, it was, uh, was, was he at Arizona or Arizona State, whatever it was? You were a huge fan of Jalen Daniels. So, I like, th- there's a big one here on this show, guys. Yeah. No, Jaden Daniels, I, I mean, I liked his game this last year. Um, JT Daniels, I did like him when he was coming out of high school. I watched some of his high school tape and I really thought, man, this guy is really, really accurate. Looks really smart on the field for a high schooler. Uh, Hartman, he's another one I actually watched in high school. He was on that show quarterback one, uh, I think on Netflix and he was in the same season as Spencer Rattler. 
And so like I started watching the show for Spencer Rattler, became a big Hartman fan watching that show because he, he left this great program to follow his coach and uh, went to a really bad team. Like I don't think they'd won a game in the season before. And here he is stepping in with all these players that are not great. And he's trying to help teach them how to become a winning team. And so like there's so many games where he throws perfect passes and they just drop them left mm -hmm. and right. And so you just, but he just kept a good attitude through the whole thing. I was very, very impressed with that part of his game. Uh, there's tons of, tons of limitations to his game. I mean, he's not a great athlete, doesn't have the biggest arm, but I think he is a hard worker. I think he looks on the field pretty darn smart in the way that he plays the game, how he reads a yep. defense, all that kind of stuff. So again, yeah, another guy. If all else fails, he'll be at least a, a decent backup in the league. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes that's what you're looking for. Um, and so let's see. There's a couple other questions in here. But I did want to get to to the George Payton conference mm -hmm. since we're, we're about halfway through the show here. Because George is one of those guys, thankfully, he is willing to say a lot, even in a small conversation. Yeah, and he, he doesn't always hold back sometimes his thoughts on things, and and so a couple things that I really stuck out to me, um, and it's maybe not that this player is going to be the true starter next year, but maybe a little bit of their process already in place when he was talking about the the rookie class from this last draft, and he's going through his evaluations of them all, and one player he talked about that I don't think he saw the field all year is Alex Forsyth the center mm -hmm. from, from Oregon last year. And he said, Hey, yeah. we believe he can be a starter. And while I, I don't know if he'll be the starter next year or not, something I really kind of took from that was that they're looking at the center position, not as Lloyd Cushenberry coming back, but who could yep. be the next starter. That, that's the way I kind of took that. I don't know if he really meant it that way, but it really kind of seemed if they're going to go into free agency, it's not going to be with this idea of bringing Lloyd Cushenberry back. Yeah, and and I think a big reason for that is he, he was also asked about the depth of this team uh, just a couple of questions later, and it was kind of in relation to the the Russell Wilson eighty five million dollar cap hit over the next couple of seasons. Uh, he let it say that we're not going out on the first wave in any uh, unrestricted free agency this year either. Like, we can't do that every single year. Well, first off, we don't have the cap space to be able to do something like that. And if you did, you better get creative with the financing. And Lloyd Cushenberry, from all accounts, is looking for a top-level uh, center uh, contract on the market, like somewhere around the 12 to $13, 14000000 million a season based on his play for this year. And I would never pay him that. I'm, I'm sorry. One year does not make a great football player. And we watched him for three seasons be one of the worst centers in football. I'm glad that he had a good year this year, but if that's what he's asking for uh, for his contract coming up, he's going to have to walk away. And, and I think that you're – I didn't catch it at first, and you actually make a very astute point here because he did say specifically, Alex Forsyth, we view as a starter in this league. Um, So is that writing on the wall? Maybe. It, it very well could be. But is it a message directly to Lloyd Cushenberry? I, I think that is actually a message directly to Lloyd Cushenberry because he's saying, you know, we we have a guy who we think is going to be a starter. If you want to stick around, then you better drop your asking price a little bit. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. So that was one one of the big things that I I guess I would take that maybe I read between the lines, and and I could be completely wrong, and and maybe Lloyd Cushenberry does a better job of understanding his value. Um, and maybe he comes in at a mid-tier contract compared to going for top tier. I kind of doubt it. I'm sure his agents are going to be telling him, oh, we can go get top three center money out there, um, go hit the market. And I'm sure the Broncos at that point are just going to be like, hey, go get your money. We've got these other two guys that we've drafted here in the last couple of years, mm -hmm. uh, and we're willing to move on. And we feel like we've got a good offensive line coach that has done a great job of training these guys up. And so that's why a little bit, I, I feel like, you know, yeah. Wattenberg is another one that we, we saw a little bit this year. And I think they've been really impressed with him. He's kind of been that interior guy that's come off the bench. Um, he could get a shot at it. Like I said, Forsyth as well. Um, 
So yeah, for George Payton, that, that was a big one for me. He also talked a lot about Riley Moss was another one that yep. we didn't see a whole lot this year into the last couple of games. He played a little bit of dime defense for him, um, but they, they seem very high on him, which I mean, it makes sense. They traded up last draft, gave up a third round in this draft to move up in the third round of last year and, mm-hmm. and to go get him. And so you would hope like you need that guy to be something because you gave up some pretty good draft picks to be able to get this guy. And I'm still interested to see how they plan on using him. Like, are they planning on him being an outside cornerback? You know, you talked about a guy earlier, Cooper DeGene, another Iowa Mm -hmm. cornerback. And uh, I know Nick's not here to talk about the Iowa defense and how they run things. It's not your normal structure on some of the things that they ask him to do. And so sometimes it's a little bit harder to kind of evaluate how they'd run in a typical NFL defense. Um, but you see the athleticism. You see, I mean, he's got the, I would say, the ability to play inside, outside, even maybe safety. Kind of a little bit of what you're seeing with with for, uh, with the, the gene as well. And so I'm just kind of interested to see where they're willing to, to put him this next year. Yeah, I, I thought that he would probably be better suited to play safety, even though he did play really well at Iowa out on the boundary. And we really never got a chance to see him play on the boundary this season at all. So I think that the hernia that he had in training camp where he had surgery, missed the first four weeks, really kind of put a damper on his development for this season. But he didn't play really well on special teams. He had that play against the the Raiders where he damn near stopped the a punt from going into the end zone. I had another big tackle against the Raiders as well. Um but I think you need to be more versatile in this back end. And with, with Moss, you have the ability to do that. I, I think with Damari Mathis, you have a little bit of that, that ability as well. But you're you're about to lose well, – you've already lost Kareem Jackson. P.J. Locke is on an expiring contract. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to bring him back. I, they, they probably could on a cheap prove-it deal and get him back in the fold. But you need another outside cornerback, and you're probably need a, another guy that can play the safety position. So that's why I'm so intrigued by DeGene and the fact that he's athletic enough, he's rangy enough, and he's physical enough that you can play him on the outside, you can play him at the slot, and you can play him on the back end as a safety, and he can succeed in all three of those roles. And he shows it on tape at Iowa as well. So I, I don't know. It's it's a it's such an interesting interesting facet of this this offseason discussion is just how exactly do you want to go out and fill the holes that this roster has you have not really limited draft capital but not an like a ton and you're you're hampered by what you can get in free agency because of the dead money you have um you're probably going to be either restructuring or moving on from guys like justin simmons Cortland sutton and garrett bowles so that opens up potentially even more holes if you can't figure out something contractually to, to fill those um so I guess, Carl, this is where my big question comes into. What would be your philosophy moving forward right now? Because are, are you are you thinking of trying to keep keep the band together, run it back, get a new quarterback in there and see what happens? Or are we starting the, the rebuild that I personally think should have happened in 2020? Like, let's tear it all the way down to the studs and rebuild this thing the right way. I'm not completely tearing it down. I'm doing a, a minor rebuild here, I guess I would say. So – some players that I would probably say are gone this next year, Jerry Judy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got decent size contract compared to what he's been bringing to the field. Don't think it quite lines up. Maybe they can still get a little bit something in a trade. I don't think it'll be a whole lot, but at least it's something you can add at least another draft pick to, to your total. Um, you know, DJ Jones probably mm-hmm. cut uh, Tim Patrick, he's at least going to be cut, maybe brought back because I do know they really like him. Um, but we'll see on that. I would bring back Josie Jewell. And honestly, I would commit to Drew Sanders being on the edge position. I think he's a better edge player than he is a linebacker. I, I just find just my opinion right now. That. I find it hard to disagree and with that. So th- that's kind of the direction I would lean with him. I would maybe... I mean, I'm not saying don't go after cornerback in the draft. I probably wouldn't lean that way towards the first round pick. I would try to hope that Riley Moss um, can maybe turn into something or Damari Mathis. One of them could have a bounce back season for this next year to play that outside position for you. Just again, you, you committed a lot to these two guys 
to be something. Mm-hmm. And to already give up on them would be a huge blow to the depth of this team. I think there's some other positions that you can go after to really help this team. Um, tight end, obviously, I'm trying to change quite a few things. I'd go find another running back to add some competition because mm-hmm. Javante, what he did this year, not good enough. Not even close to being good enough as your number one running back. Like I, I would say P. Ryan and McLaughlin both outplayed him this year yeah i i that's one that's how much of an injury caveat do we give javante this year though like the the burst definitely wasn't there he still showed the power like he when he gets into those scrummy nasty gritty i'm just going to keep grinding out a couple of yards get pushed by the offensive line like that was all there but the the vision i think was the biggest thing that i saw in terms of like a big drop off for him the vision and the burst like he he showed an inability to see things correctly so do do we give an injury caveat here let him get another year fully recovered back from that acl tear before we really like pound the gavel and uh, on his judgment here or is this like something you're saying you know regardless of the injury concerns it, it's not good enough we still need to get better in that position I'm at least bringing in competition for him, you know, because Javante, he had vision issues his rookie season too. Mm -hmm. He he got away with it because he broke so many tackles. So he'd still turn negative plays into positive ones, but there's still a lot of negative plays as well, where it was kind of a a home run or a strikeout. If we're talking baseball, when it came to Javante last year, his rookie season, this year, it was just a lot of, a lot of pop pop up flies that obviously didn't go anywhere. And so I would, I mean, I'm keeping Javante around because he's still on a rookie contract and still cheap. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that, but he's got a lot to prove to have earned being the starter next year. Mm-hmm. And we saw, especially in these last couple of games, they played McLaughlin a lot. Like they, mm-hmm. they seem to be a lot more thinking he was a better fit for this offense and what Sean Payton wants to do from the running back position than what Javante was bringing to the table. So um, that's just kind of where I'm leaning there. Quarterback-wise, yeah, I'm probably – I'm bringing in a free agent, obviously. Um, Jared Stidham, I don't think he did enough to really hold on to his spot. It wasn't wasn't always pretty with him, obviously. I mean, he only had a couple games. If they stick with him, I get it. He's been here. Then you don't have somebody to relearn the system, all that kind of stuff. But – I'd probably look at a free agent. And then, of course, looking at the draft, I'm adding somebody at some point. Now, if it's first round, then I'm trying to get that guy onto the field as quick as possible. Um, Now, I know I said on the show last week that Sean Payton, as a head coach, um, he's actually he's had one game as a head coach starting a rookie quarterback. That's it. Now, let me also say this, though. He was the guy when he was with the Cowboys that found Tony Romo Mm-hmm. and had him starting and was willing to put him on the field. So yep. he's willing to play young players. I don't think that's the issue there. I, I think he just, most of his career, he's kind of leaned into taking the veterans that have maybe not lived up to their potential and trying to get the most out of them. That's kind yep. of the direction he's usually gone. But I, I still think there, there is that chance he really wants to see what he can do with a rookie and see if he can really turn him into a star. I, I think that might be one of the reasons why he took this job, to be completely honest. And I, I, I know this sounds crazy, crackpot conspiracy theory. You can call me all you want to, because I, but I think it's also true. I, I think that Sean Payton came into this job knowing that he was going to have to deal with Russell Wilson for one year. Yeah. They were already committed to him, at least for this season, and he was going to come in here, find out if he liked to work with Russell Wilson. And if he didn't, then he got the promise that he could move on. Well, here we are, guys. And I I think you said something that carries a lot of credence here. It's a very astute point. He's never really got a chance to work with a true rookie that he handpicked himself to be the actual guy. Sure, he drafted a bunch of quarterbacks. Garrett Grayson is, is one from Colorado State he drafted in the third round. That was still at the height of the powers of Drew Brees. You got Taysom Hill as a, a lucky athletic find is what that was. He's not a quarterback. He's just an athletic freak that goes out there and does everything on the football field. 
when does he ever actually go out and draft a first round quarterback that he wants to develop into being the actual guy? Well, here's your opportunity. This, this job right here is your opportunity because if you couldn't figure it out with Russ, you knew you were going to be bad enough to at least be in range to get a guy that you liked, whether that's this year, maybe even next year. I mean, I don't know. Hell, we could be looking at Jarrett Stidham running as a starting quarterback next year with a, a fourth round rookie developmental guy. And maybe he's got his eyes on Shadur Sanders or Quinn Ewers or whoever, uh, 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 Riley Leonard, the, the Duke kid that just transferred this year. He's got his eyes set on somebody, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he gets the opportunity to do it. Yeah, and we got Michael Ronquillo coming with some stars saying, thoughts on the owner-slash-CEO Greg Pinner press conference today. So, yeah, th- this was the, he did have a press conference as well. I, I didn't think he said a whole lot. Um I think one thing he kind of mentioned was that they're not really any further along. They had no update on a new stadium or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I would expect at least the next three to four years, Denver's still going to be in the exact same stadium that they've been in. It's still a good stadium. Uh, Anybody that's been there, it's, it's a nice atmosphere. It's not falling apart. Uh, I always think of like the, the Oakland Raiders stadium. Mm-hmm. where they'd show like pieces of the stadium are like falling down as fans are walking through. And it, it was just a whole mess. Broncos aren't in that kind of place. So they, they have some time to figure it out. I think they're working on new, new jerseys for next year. They'll add a little something here or there, nothing too crazy. Um, beyond that, I guess the thing I've really liked, it seems like they're all coming with the same message. They like the improvement, but it's still not good enough. They're not okay with where the team is at. Mm-hmm. Like every single one of them said the same thing. And it does seem like Penner, Peyton, and Peyton are pretty much on the same page, which is really big to see. I think that's, I've always said that if you can have your owner, your GM, your coach, and your quarterback all on the same page, you can go and have a lot of success in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If you got any of those pieces missing, things can get pretty wonky real quick, you know, especially if the owner is not on the same page as everybody else, then things can get really bad real quick. Um, But right now it does seem like they're all kind of going in that same direction. I kind of like where the, the pinners have been for the most part, they're, they're a little bit more of a, we'll sign the check. You guys do the football stuff. Mm -hmm. I I haven't seen too much where they've really stepped in and been like, we got to do this. The only thing I'd say that I felt like they maybe stepped in just a little bit, would be the Russell Wilson contract. And maybe they've learned their lesson of maybe we shouldn't have gotten into this. I felt like they so, put a little pressure on Peyton to do that. So I had actually a little bit of conflicting reporting on that. This is from Tyler Columbus, um, former Broncos left tackle, uh, won a Super Bowl with the team. He still talks to a lot of people in that building. And from what he'd said, and this is something I also kind of speculated on a little while ago, but what he had said was the the Walton Penner family ownership group, they were approached with the idea of doing this. And they essentially said, well, is this going to be the best thing for our franchise, the best thing for our salary cap? And George Payton said, yeah, we need to do this now. And they said, okay, just do it. And they wrote him a check. So I don't know if they really forced the issue on that, because if you look back at the timeline, I mean, Russell Wilson was traded for in March. The the sale was officially approved, I believe, in April, right around the time of the draft. It was officially finalized like halfway through training camp. And then the, the like two weeks later or three weeks later, the contract was signed. So I don't know if they really had as big of a hand in forcing the issue with Russell Wilson in that contract more so than they just said, Okay, we don't know what we don't know. Here's your football guy saying this is what we need to do. So here we go. Let's write a check and hand out a bunch of money. That said, they they are definitely like that. I I, I do think that's really the, the big point I'm coming here with is, is like they're they're trusting George Payton and Sean Payton to get this taken care of. While they they did cut the legs out from Sean Pay- or from George Payton a little bit, I think with bringing in Sean Payton, they didn't really let, allow George Payton to be in the room for the interview process. And it appears that Sean Payton is really the puppeteer pulling the strings on this organization right now. From all accounts, George Payton and Sean Payton are in lockstep with each other. They have a great working relationship. Sean and George both said that today. Uh, Greg Penner said it's that they have great working relationship as well. Um, so I, I agree with you, Carl, that it's, it's a nice thing to have a true direction right now. And 
Well, I think that there was a little bit of hinting that there could be some staff changes here after next week, maybe even potentially firing a coordinator or something like that. Um, Vance Joseph, I'm looking directly at you, sir. Uh, but <laughs> like, we finally have some continuity. We, we have a direction. And while it may look bleak right now because we're staring at the face of a rebuild again, despite being eight and nine this season, the direction's there. And I think that that is something that everybody in Broncos country should be optimistic about. Yeah, I, I liked Sean Payton to talk about that a little bit of somebody said, you know, have you have you laid the foundation and now you're going to build on it? And he was like, no, we're still building the foundation of this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and part of that is, again, you're still trying to figure out your quarterback situation. It's kind of hard to know how you're going to build that foundation until you have that most important part. Yep. Um, but I like that that answer from him, that they're still really much in that learning stage of things for this team. And once they all get on that same page, then watch out. Watch how this thing really takes off. And and even, even with the struggles that they had on offense, I went back and looked, and the the offense this year was still the best that they've had since 2015 mm-hmm. in a points-per-game setup. Um, it was the most points they've had since 2014. Uh, now, with that extra game, they were able to top the 2015 team. But it just shows, even as frustrated as we all were with the offense this year, like it did take a step in the right direction. Yep. And, and yep. that's – solely there on on Sean Payton and what he brought to the table as an offensive play caller. And yeah. so he he still had his issues, don't get me wrong, but uh but I feel much better about the direction the offense is going. Now you talked about the defense with Vance Joseph. Um I, I probably expect him back. Just because he did a great job turning things around uh with what I would call a very below average talent level defense. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I feel like he kind of maximized second half of the season, mm-hmm. what they could be, you know, getting those stimulated pressures, not because they had good pass rushers, but because he was actually calling some great plays to bring pressure. Now this mm-hmm. last game was not a great one. Like they were God, getting no. zero pressure. We, we could talk about that all day, but uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit. And, and the 2005 defense was a lot more talented than this this defense is but still that 2005 defense it it wasn't as talented as the stats showed it to be you know Mm -hmm. they just had a great coordinator and when they got into the playoffs unfortunately the Steelers had kind of figured them out a little bit made some great calls and they they lost there but uh so I feel like if you get him a little bit more talent I I'm not saying he's the best defensive coordinator in football but I think he did a decent enough job to hold on to his job Right. And I think the big thing was just the emphasis on, on, on finding ways to create turnovers. And and that's, that's a coaching point. That's something that you bring as a coach, whether it's Sean Payton or whether it's VJ or uh, Christian Parker or, or whoever on, on that defensive coaching staff, you saw it all season long, specifically in that five game winning streak uh, where they really had success doing it. it. It wasn't, it wasn't interceptions they weren't taking the football away in the air they were putting balls on the ground like you guys couldn't believe it was one of the highest fumble rate teams in the nfl for that five week span and that was something that i that like the the sustainability question that everybody wanted to ask well is this sustainable yeah absolutely it is it is sustainable for you to control your effort get the guy stood up and go scrape at the football and get the ball put on the ground is it sustainable to mask your coverages and, and rotate over and take the football away through the air? No, it's not. That is something that you're going to get beat eventually doing. Peanut Tillman made a, what, 10-year career out of utilizing the peanut punch. They named it after him. The peanut punch, forcing fumbles and getting footballs on the ground just through controlling his effort. And that's something that you saw this defense do. They they really focused in on trying to get the football on the ground because if the ball hits the ground, it's a 50-50 chance. One team's going to pick it up. And if you have enough guys surrounding the football, typically it's going to be your team picking it up. And that, that that was a huge part of that defensive turnaround. I think that it, it might be oversimplifying it a little bit there because they started to play a little bit better against the run as well in that stretch. And they really started to get after the quarterback. But that 
that philosophy, that idea behind we're going to go and just control the effort and control the, the the opportunity to put the football on the ground is something that Vance Joseph preaches. It was something he preached at Cincinnati when he was a defensive backs coach. It was something he preached with the Miami Dolphins as their defensive coordinator. It was something he preached even with the Denver Broncos when he was their head coach from 2017, 2018. You know, like the Arizona Cardinals. They put the ball on the ground a lot with that Cardinals defense as well. So that to me – I. I, well, I agree with you, Carl. I think that that is something to look forward to, and I think that that can carry over and really kind of help save his job. My thing is you gave up 70 points on the road. It was almost an NFL record with one of the worst defensive performances in NFL history. Forget the Denver Broncos, NFL history. And then while you go through the five-game winning streak and you get these turnovers and you're playing really well, you come out of that and you give up 42 points on the road to the Detroit Lions and get embarrassed on national television. Those two games alone are enough to really put into question what his job status is, despite the five-game winning streak. Yeah, I'm not saying he's 100% secure at this point. Like I said, if, if there's some people that become available that otherwise wouldn't have been been available, I mean, like Rabel, he just became available. Yeah, I would look pretty darn hard at him. I really like mm-hmm. him as a as a coach, and and some of that's I got to meet him in person, and nice. he is one of the most intense people I've ever met in my life. And he's intimidating. He's big. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't remember how tall or I think he's like six, two, six, three, maybe even a little taller than that. Uh, as a coach, he's still, he looks like he can go out there and play today kind of thing. Uh, and I just remember I, I met him at the senior bowl and I got to see all these other coaches who are out there just having a good time. Like for them, it's a week to party and just kind of, get together with everybody else and have a good time. Um, you know, I got to meet Andy Reed. That was kind of neat. He's a pretty fun guy to talk to, but Rabel, he's like running people over trying to watch plays and pay attention to everything that's going on. And so, like I said, I, I wouldn't mind him in, in the Broncos place. I, I feel like somebody said the other day that players are not willing to run through brick walls for Sean Payton. I feel for, I feel like if Rabel was here, players are willing to run through a brick wall for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I thought I saw something earlier that was pretty neat. They're talking about with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Somebody said that people, players were willing to listen to Bill Belichick because they view him as a smart guy. But it was Tom Brady was the guy they were willing to run through a brick wall for. That's right. why that whole thing was willing, was able to work because they respected Bill Belichick, but they loved Tom Brady. And right. for the Broncos, I right. feel like that's a little bit of where they need to get to. You know, I'm sure that was the same way with Sean Payton when he was with the Saints. You know, players mm-hmm. love Drew Brees. Sean Payton, I think they just knew like, hey, this guy gets it. He's smart. Mm-hmm. He understands football. And he was able to win the locker room over because of Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. So now he's got to go find that guy for himself. Yeah. And uh, so yep. we'll, we'll get there. But uh, uh, we wanted to get to Michael's comment here saying, great show tonight, Carl and Lance. I'm building the Broncos. Go Broncos. Uh, Michael, Thanks, Mike. appreciate you with the, all these comments, all these, all the support, and for everybody else that's been able to come in here and bring some support as well for for building the Broncos. Uh, we want to make sure you guys, if you're heading over to Twitter, follow at Mile High Huddle. Uh, if you follow that, it'll show you every time that these shows go live. Uh, same with the MHH Pod. Again, another place that you know we post all the time when we're, our shows are coming on. We've got lots and lots of shows out there for you guys to to tune into. Uh, you can also head over to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle mile high huddle pod and uh and follow us there so you can see everything that's going on. If you guys are on YouTube, make sure you guys are subscribing, liking, and sharing this show. Uh, it, it's just such a huge way to to get all of this out there. And we appreciate every single one of you that that help us in that way. Um, but otherwise, I just wanted to say thank you guys again for tuning in. I know this has been an up and down season, lots of emotions every single way possible. And, but I'm just, uh, I'm excited again for the direction the Broncos are going. I feel like, again, mm-hmm. they've got kind of one message that's going out there. This is who we are. This is what we're going to do. And they're, I think they've got the right people in place to get this team in the right direction. It's not going to be easy. And there's, they, they obviously still have to get that quarterback position figured out to really get this thing back on track. Uh, but if there's somebody I, I trust to figure out the quarterback, it's, it's definitely Sean Payton. 
and we'll see about George Payton on his future with the team. He could be the the scapegoat next year, depending on how this team goes. So anyway, again, thank you guys for joining us. And hopefully we've got more shows coming in tomorrow and every day of the week. Uh, But otherwise, as Nick always likes to close these shows, make sure you guys are out there choosing kindness, choosing compassion. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.